We have a sponsor for the podcast, Green Mitten. Green Mitten is a green-inspired lifestyle brand dedicated to cannabis and culture since 2012. Based in Grand Rapids, Michigan, they've been featured in High Times Magazine for the last five years. A lot of you guys know the Green Mitten brothers already if you've been following me. I've been on tour with them, and they're really good friends of mine. They have awesome clothing lines. In fact, they've just released a new line, including hats, masks, windbreakers, crewnecks, and more. I got my hands on the new stuff just the other day, and per usual, it's top of the line. I don't just say that. I mean it. They put a lot of time into their designs and products, and I highly recommend them. Go to www.green-mitten.com. That's green-mitten.com. And use promo code PACKY10 for 10% off your order. In addition to the clothes, they have glass, they have CBD. If you're ever in Grand Rapids, slide through their storefront there. You'll be happy you did. Otherwise, that's green-mitten.com. Promo code PACKY10 for 10% off your order. You are now tuned in. To the Spectators Podcast. What is happening, you guys? This is episode 97 of the Spectators Podcast. I'm Packy. I hope you all had an excellent weekend. I know I did. I headed to Grand Rapids on Saturday to catch up with Danny. You heard the, the Green Mitten ad. Proud to have them as a sponsor. They have some really dope new merch that you guys need to check out. So spent my Saturday in Grand Rapids. Uh, Sunday, I watched the PGA Championship. You guys already know. We're obviously going to talk about that. A lot of sports topics today on the pod. Before we get into all, the, all of uh, that, let's get into some spectators news. I'm a company man, I do it all for the brand. I give my blood to the job and I give my love to the fans. Really spec from the jump, never no check in advance. And at the end of the month, I'm a company man, I do it all for the brand. I give my blood to the job and I give my love to the fans. Really spec from the jump, never no check in advance. And at the end of the month, I earn a check in my hand. First of all, Ali and Druma have a new song out called Gelato. Apollo has a new song out called Karma. Two very different vibes from the boys. You should be able to find what you're looking for there. Again, if you haven't seen the Hot Shit video, it's out on our YouTube channel, so go peep that. Leave a like for us. Thanks again to everybody that came out to help with that. Um, I dropped a bonus pod on Friday with Glow Money. So there were two podcasts last week. When, when Glow came on on Friday, we strictly talked wedding, just so you guys know. So, uh, yeah, check those out from last week if you're not caught up. More new music is always on the way from the boys. Best places to stay up to date are the Spectators YouTube channel and the Spectators Collective playlist on Spotify. All the new Spectators Collective music will always be there. Subscribe to the Spectators podcast on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. If you want to go the extra mile, leave a five-star review. Thank you to all the loyal listeners. And let's pod. You are now tuned in, tuned in. to the Spectators, Spectators Podcast. Biggest topic for me, you know I'm a golf fanatic, over the weekend was the PGA Championship. Anytime there's a major championship on and I'm able to watch, I'm watching. Colin Morikawa, the first major champion of 2020, only 23 years old. He could be a force to, to reckon with for years to come. It was a really exciting major this year. I thought the course, uh, TPC Harding Park, was really dope. Looked sweet on TV with the cypress trees and being right on the water there in San Fran. I'm going to be honest. Even though I'm a, a golf fanatic, I hadn't heard of this course. Uh, but I thought it was awesome. 
a lot of birdies and a lot of big numbers as well. I don't know how many, I don't know how the numbers stack up to typical majors or typical PGAs, I should say. So I could be totally wrong, but it felt like there were more big numbers than you typically see at a PGA championship. Um, and to me, that's the most exciting course type of course to watch these guys play not necessarily the super tough u.s open where they're struggling to make pars or just the average course where they're birding everything but where they're they're fighting to get like three under or four under every day and those rounds are often including a bunch of birdies with some bogeys or doubles like big scores are out there um if they can set the pga championship courses up like that uh then you have the u.s open that's just super tough Guys are fighting to break even. Then the Masters, just a classic tradition, always at Augusta. Then you got the British Open or the Open, whatever you want to call it, where you have the the Lynx Golf with the wind playing overseas. To me, that's ideal, having the four different vibes. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. I think another reason why there were some bigger scores on holes this year um, was because these guys typically are used to playing majors with tons of fans, big gallery, where the usually thick rough is all trampled down and easier to hit out of. No galleries this year, which means if you hit it wayward and you're in the rough, it's going to be a little tougher to get out of than the trampled down rough where the galleries have walked on. So I thought that made it a little interesting. Um, There were a lot of big names on the leaderboard, a lot of young players. I think that's what's really dope about golf right now is all the young studs. Golf went through a real lull when Tiger was out of the game with his scandal and his injuries. Um, it was really just like Phil and and Rory um, until that next group of young guys like Spieth, Ricky, JT really came along. We got DJ, uh, we got Brooks, we got DeChambeau, and there's actually some characters and personalities, and, and now you got Morikawa, who's obviously really good and young, and Cam Champ. Golf's just in a really good place right now. Obviously, when Tiger's days are done, that's going to be a, a major blow for the sport, but not as major as it seemed like it was going to be maybe like, I don't know, six, seven years ago. Um, I'm not going to lie. As far as the PGA Championship went this weekend, as it came down the stretch, I was hoping for that five-way playoff or something crazy with how tight it was down the stretch. It seemed like nobody was going to pull away, but then on 14, Morikawa hits a terrible approach shot, leaves it like 20 yards away from the pin. So you're thinking he's going to struggle to get up and down and stay in that. I think at that point there was like a pack tied for 10 under for the lead. All of a sudden he chips it in. Massive shot. Now, obviously, myself included, people hoping for the big bunch at the top coming down the stretch were were still hoping for more magic after that throughout the finish. But I also remember feeling like I was kind of in the twilight zone when really soon after Morikawa hit that chip shot, chipped it in. Um, Faldo is talking about, I just get a sneaky feeling we're going to see something crazy, like some type of chip in or something. He really, He literally said that. Like, bro. This dude just chipped in from 20 yards to take the lead by one in a major with four holes left. Like, what more do you want? You're, I feel like you're not even acknowledging this. Um, that was just a huge shot. And, of course, it gets overshadowed a couple holes later. He hits the, the shot of the weekend by driving the almost 300-yard par four to about seven feet, draining the puffer eagle to basically close it out. But those two shots, and I feel like the chip-in got overshadowed a bit. 
But those two shots were huge. They won in the tournament. Um, so it was it was a really exciting watch. Obviously didn't get the insane playoff or the very last hole made putt for the win, but still overall a really fun Sunday to watch. I think it's cool that the Bombers on the leaderboard, like Cam Champ and DeChambeau and, and Kapka, DJ, Finau, you name them, <clears throat> it was Morikawa, who's not the longest hitter but super accurate, who not only came out with the win but did it by making the eagle on the par 4 16th. Um, other things to come out of the weekend, a lot of people were talking about Phil Mickelson in the booth. Uh, Phil, as far as golf goes, if you're a golf fanatic like I am, Phil, Phil is just a treasure. Phil's kind of the glue that's held golf together throughout my lifetime. Obviously, Tiger's the standout and, and made golf really what it is today as far as popularity and all that. But Phil was Tiger's only real competitor, and Phil held it down as best he could when Tiger was out of the game. And Phil is still here at 50 years old competing at a high level. Obviously, he's Tiger's peer, so he gets overshadowed a bit. But, man, he's he's next level. He's a character. He's got an entertaining game with his wedge play and his aggressive style, but he's got an entertaining personality also, which has I think has come out even more as he's gotten older. Um, and it was really put on display in the booth with Jim Nance and Nick Faldo on Saturday. If you haven't heard some of those clips, make sure you go check it out. Hopefully when Phil does decide to hang him up, which I don't know when that'll be, he's still playing at a pretty high level. I think last week, not the PGA, but the week before, I think he was second. So... Um, if he does uh, hang him up, I hope he doesn't just disappear from golf because he'd be really good as a commentator. Got to make sure we give Phil his flowers while we still have him here competing on the tour. Um, other notes, Brooks Kepka is starting to get a little corny to me. I was originally a, a big fan. I, I kind of liked the, the stoic, competitive nature, um, not just super buddy-buddy, about his business. Um, I like the golfers now that are actually about working out and being athletes too and, and not just swinging a club. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't mind that he's not all buddy-buddy with everybody else. That's not what bothers me. And I don't have a problem with his confidence. It's one of the things I liked about him originally. Here's what I don't like. He seems to enjoy hyping himself up at the expense of specific other people. Um. And yeah, he gets some questions that are leading that way a bit. Like he gets asked questions, but you can answer them with the same confidence and self-belief without putting it in the context of other people's shortcomings. Like when you pull off the win, it's hard to have a problem with all that stuff because it's like, well, he's, you know, he's so good. He can walk the walk, but in golf, it's just so hard to pull it off every time. And to me, after the effort he put in um, on Sunday... It starts coming across as just a little tired and corny to me. MJ could talk like that. Tiger could talk like that. As good as Brooks is, he ain't on that level. And you might not have loved it when MJ or Tiger or whatever could do that, but you, you couldn't say shit because they just almost always got it done. Brooks has gotten it done a lot, but he he's putting a lot of pressure on himself now to keep getting it done uh, if he's going to keep talking like that. If he'd have, if he'd have gone four under and finished second to Morikawa, to me, like, that reputation would still be intact. It'd still be good as far as the clutch gene in the majors. You can't control what the other guys do necessarily, and if you put in an effort like like that, but just don't come out on top quite, but you still come out 
on top a lot. Cool. But he fell off the map in the clutch. Very off-brand, and it makes the talking look suspect. I liked the I liked the cockiness initially because back in like I don't know three four years ago when he first started winning majors, it seemed to come from a place of being overlooked, even though he was balling, and so I felt that. Now he's not overlooked at all. He gets all the respect in the world in the majors from the media and and so on, but he still acts like that. So. I don't know. I'm also a big fan of the Ryder Cup, and I don't think that type of attitude, constantly antagonizing other top players, is a great vibe for that. All that being said, I do think it's great for golf. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a DeChambeau fan, but I think he's awesome for golf. You have to have different characters, different personalities to have interest in the sport. It's less interesting when you just have a bunch of gentlemen out there that are all buddy buddy. Um, as far as the Brooks comments, I thought Rory had some had a decent response about it. Um, he said, if he's trying to play... For those of you that don't know, by the way, Brooks' comments were essentially... I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially was asked about um, his advantage um, going into Sunday with the leaderboard looking the way it was, like some really good players up there. And he talked about how basically he's won a bunch of majors and nobody else up there has he said dj only has one um so he was just kind of talking about how he has an advantage over them but it's the way he said it it's referencing dustin johnson like quote only having one um just it, it comes across of putting himself on a pedestal um but rory said if he's trying to play mind games he's trying to do it to the wrong person i don't think dj really gives much of a concern to that but just different. I try to respect everyone out here. Everyone is a great player. If you've won a major championship, you're a hell of a player. Doesn't mean you've only won one. You've won one. And you've had to do a lot of good things to do that. I mean, sort of hard to knock a guy who's got 21 wins on the PGA Tour, which is three times what Brooks has. And I guess that's kind of my thing is, yes, Brooks has been very good in majors for the last five years. And nobody takes that away from him. Now, after after he won a couple, he gets all the respect in the world. But I feel like he he doesn't give that respect to, like when he won his first major, going into his second, he was looking for that respect. And he felt like he didn't have it. But here he is disrespecting someone who has won a little bit. So, I don't know. Um, I, I'm... It, it's rubbing me the wrong way as it goes on. Now, if he if he continues to dominate in the majors... It won't be as big of a deal to me because if you do walk that walk consistently, then who am I to say anything? But then when you blow up like he did on Sunday, it's not a great look. My pick this week was Xander Shoffley. Didn't get it done, but he finished top 10, so he gave himself a chance. I can't be mad about it. Uh, next major is the U.S. Open in September. Not sure who I'll be taking in that. We'll have, to, we'll have to look into it when the time comes, but always looking forward to the next major. If you're not a big golf person, give it a chance. I, I think the game's growing. I think it's getting a little bit of a younger fan base than it used to have right now when there's not a whole lot of sports going on. Um, I know some things are starting to come back, but give it a chance. Uh, some other big sports news uh, that I just saw the other day is in regards to college football. Trevor Lawrence is the talk of the college football world right now. Um, he says... Let's see. He had a tweet I got to find here. He says, people are at just as much, if not more risk, if we don't play. 
players will all be sent home to their own communities where social distancing is highly unlikely and medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they were to contract COVID. He says, not to mention the players coming from situations that are not good for them, their future, and having to go back to that. Football is a safe haven for so many people. We are more likely to get the virus in everyday life than playing football. Having a season also incentivizes players being safe and taking all of the right precautions to try to avoid contracting COVID because the season and teammates' safety is on the line. He says, without the season, as we've seen already, people will not social distance or wear masks and take the proper precautions. All right. First of all, I get frustrated with these COVID talks when they have to be so damn black and white. Whether it's football, whether it's going back to school. And I'm not talking about Trevor Lawrence right now. I'm talking about the response to Trevor Lawrence that I've seen. You can be against these things without being the person that just wants everyone to stay in the house and not leave. You can also be for these things without thinking COVID is a hoax and it's not real. Um, so I guess just some stats as far as the risks for the actual players go. There's basically 80,000 people, because um, this is the state of Florida that I saw, which is supposed to be one of the hotbeds right now. Um, 80,000 people between the ages of 15 and 24 tested positive in Florida. 0.95% of them were hospitalized. 0.026% of them died. Um, so obviously there's follow-ups to that, right? Um, people will say, well, one death is, is, is one too many. Okay, but then you have the, the response of people die in car accidents every day and, and many other things, but we don't stop driving cars. We take risks every day as humans. Okay, now the follow-up to that with like car accidents or anything else is car accidents aren't contagious. Exactly. Great point. Which is why you should really completely skip the one death is too many argument because then you can use the car, the, the car accident argument. So the spread of the virus to me is the number one point to debate, the fact that it is contagious. Um, and there's a legit debate there with, with valid arguments on both sides. You have all these guys getting together in locker rooms, on the field, on buses. It's literally called a contact sport. And though they may not really be in danger themselves, they can spread it among those groups and then spread it to others that may be in danger. My personal thoughts are spreading and getting COVID carries X amount of risk just like anything else we do, right? I'm not saying to the same degree. I'm just saying everything we do carries risk. Walking out of the crib carries X amount of risk. Skydiving carries X amount of risk. As far as the contagious aspect of it, there are other contagious diseases like the flu that carry risk that we deal with every year. Car accidents, though they're not contagious, the act of driving, you getting in your car and hitting the road can affect somebody else. Uh, I think we'd all agree that we feel like the most accidents or, or issues we have on the road aren't because of something we did. It's because of something somebody else did. So it does affect other people, not just yourself. Um, everybody has their, has their own risk thresholds and things that are important enough to take that amount of risk for. 
Some people are okay with the risk to skydive, right? Some people are not. Some people won't fly in an airplane. Some people will. Um, those things are different for everybody. For some people right now, protesting an issue that's near and dear to their hearts and an issue that they feel affects their lives is worth the risk of contracting or spreading COVID. For some people, opening and running a business that they depend on for their livelihood is worth the risk of contracting or spreading COVID. For some, the education of their kids is worth the risk. We can all agree or disagree with these and, and have our own opinions, but to me, that's just reality. When it comes to the college football season being played, I don't know. I don't have the answer on, I don't think anybody can say we definitively should or we definitively shouldn't. People are entitled to their, their opinions, and we can all be swayed different ways on it for sure. I do keep wondering what happened to flattening the curve. You guys know I'm a big fan of taking safety precautions, protecting the most vulnerable, because it is clear now there, there is a most vulnerable population. Not all populations are the same when it comes to COVID. And then after you do that, allow people to take personal responsibility like we do with most other things. That being said, the NCAA is a huge business. NCAA football is a huge business. I understand it's not as simple as play if you want to play and sit out if you don't, but I do think there are more complex, suitable solutions that do involve decisions like that. Do you want to play? Do you not? If you don't, we understand, and we're going to put these things into place to make sure you don't get left behind because you don't want to take that risk because we understand it's a risk. Um, I know it's a tricky situation. Like I said, I'm not going to sit here and try to come up with the answer for college football. They've got committees for all this, and I'm not going to slam them one way or another for whatever they decide to do. The NBA has X amount of people in their league, okay? They, they have... They have money. All these guys are millionaires. They can put them in a bubble. They can handle things that way. College football is a, is a much more complex situation. So, um, obviously, selfishly, I hope they have a season. I, I love watching college football, but I understand if they, if they determine it's, it's not safe to do so. Um, NBA. The big news in the NBA, the big drama is... Dame Dollar versus the Clippers. So Dame missed a couple free throws to lose to the Clippers, and Pat Beverly and Paul George were loving it. Pat Beverly waved to him from the bench. From the bench. Uh, like Dame did when he hit the game winner in the playoffs against the Thunder. Pat Bev, you were sitting on the bench. You're a defender. You're a great defender. You're a role player. You're a great role player. Dame Lillard won that series last year and has been carrying that squad to these victories. Miss me, miss me with the wave, okay? Miss me with the bubble wave from the bench. You do look corny. Paul George, you were on the receiving end of Dame's wrath just last year. Come on, man. Get the job done before you start with the talking. And even then, you're not even the best player on your team. And I like Paul George. But you better get the job done. Like Dame said, keep switching teams, running from the grind. You boys is chumps. I'm with Dame. You guys know if you listen to the podcast enough, Dame is my favorite player in the league. I respect the hell out of the fact that 
He's stayed with Portland his whole career. He's actually given the teams that he's had. He's done pretty damn well with them. He's got them in the playoffs consistently. I believe he had them in the conference ship last year. He's clutch. Yeah, he had he had a very unclutch moment the other night, but it's not the playoffs. Um, and for guys that he's been clutch against and who he's sent packing, I'm pretty sure Pat Bev was on the Rockets team that Dame sent packing with the game winner in the playoffs when it really matters. They got to go get the job done before they start talking to Dame. And they got to stop jumping teams before they start talking to Dame. So, love that the NBA is back, though. Draymond gets fined 50000 for tampering. Long story short, he, I guess it's not really a long story. He was on TNT. They were talking about Devin Booker, who's balling. And Draymond basically said they need to get his ass out of, out of Phoenix so he can shine. Draymond has to understand that every player in the NBA doesn't just get to be on a dope-ass team for their whole career like he does. Throughout the history of the game, there are guys that have gotten paid handsomely for being good players on average or bad teams. Not to mention, doesn't Phoenix have a decent little young base now? But if Booker goes and jumps ship like all these players are doing now, then they got to start over. Like They've done a good job building a little young base, in my opinion, so miss me with that. Leave him in, leave him in Phoenix. Let them build something there. So I I see certain people up in arms like they bring Draymond on to be a commentator and he can't commentate. Man, find his ass. If I was a Phoenix fan, I'd be so pissed because, yeah, all these big market teams with when they already have an all-star cast or something, they're getting all these players now. So stay away from our, our players if we're a smaller market team trying to build a little base. Side note, I'm so glad the Pistons went with Stanley Johnson over Devin Booker in that draft. Excellent move. Um, and I can truly say I wanted Devin Booker at the time. That's not some Monday morning quarterback shit. Like, when I have a team in the league with the best basketball players in the world, I prefer my wing players that are top 10 picks to have a jump shot. That's just me. Anyway, could go on and on with when it comes to the Pistons and, and the draft. But... Uh, yeah, a lot of sports. That's that's it for today. We kept it real sporty. Um, not not a whole lot, in my opinion, going on in the, in the music world that I wanted to talk about. Uh, a lot of random shit that I don't give a damn about. So that's it for today. Shout out to everybody tuning in. Like I said, we had a bonus pod last week, if you haven't caught that, with Glow, talking about our wedding and all that good stuff. Bunch of new music from the Spectators Collective. We're creeping up on pod number 100. So that's legit. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, following on Spotify so you get the pod in your library right away. Holler at me at Packy Raps on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts, and I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. I'm a company man. I do it all for the brand. I give my blood to the job, and I give my love to the fans. Respect for the jump, never no check in advance. And at the end of the month, I earn a check in my hand.